Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your friendly host, Omar Crook. Boy, this day started out uh, pretty rough, I've got to tell you. First of all, we're in the middle of uh, Stormwatch 7000. I think we're going to get at least uh, three-eighths of an inch of rain today, which uh, creates all sorts of havoc here in Los Angeles. I woke up at 4 in the morning because we've got 10 uh, overhangs outside, and I heard this uh, banging out front, so... I thought, what the hell's going on? Turns out it was raining. And then I remembered that uh, the windows were down in my car. <clears throat> so that was cool. It was pitch black, 4 o'clock in the morning. I, I uh, found some stuff to put on and went out with a towel. And uh, the inside of my car was totally soaked. I wiped that down and uh, went out to the backyard. And, of course, there was a bunch of stuff out, including... A bag of uh, golf clubs so that was fun too I got to take those out in the garage and dry them all off and uh, then my son my three and a half year old son woke up <clears throat> and uh, uh, so he's kind of been awake since four like I have which has already uh, resulted in a huge meltdown today my little girl our 10 month old daughter bit uh, my wife Amy twice and uh, Will had such a meltdown that we had to send him up to his room which we never had to do. Anyway, it's just one of those days, you know. And then uh, I'm very grateful today uh, on the show I've got Jake Runestad. He's a terrific composer, really nice guy. I really had a nice chat. So I opened that file and uh, I recorded it incorrectly. And uh, so I had to split the file. I mean, it recorded into a... Anyway, it, it's basically, let's see, it's 5 after 11 right now. And I'm usually done with, uh, you know, producing the track by this time. And literally, I'm just starting. So might be a little bit late today. I hope you're all doing well in the rain, you know? It seems like, uh, it seems like we Angelinos don't handle it very well. I mean, it's... We pray for rain because we need it desperately. And then when it comes, nobody knows how to drive in it. Nobody knows how to function. It's kind of funny. It's kind of like musicians. You know, if you if you want to hear a musician complain, give them work. It's the same type of thing. I guess it's a paradox. But uh, I think that's enough of, of my complaining. I'm really glad you're listening. Thank you. I feel a little bit better, actually. Uh, here's my nice interview with Jake Runestad. Enjoy. Well, good, man. Cool. Here it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, I uh, I really appreciate you coming over. First of all, absolutely. I now I um, I don't know how many episodes you listen to, but I purposefully try not to prepare too much. Now that being said, I did listen to a few of your pieces. I did look you up on Wikipedia. You've got a, tr a big online presence, which I was really 
I don't, I don't want to say surprised like in a negative way or anything. Uh, I, it was just really, I need to ask you about your business. Like, how do you mm. conduct your business? But we'll get to that because um, <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> um, okay, so let's start with uh, where you grew up. Where, where, where do you come from, Jake? Yeah, so I, I was born and raised in northern Illinois, in Rockford, Illinois. Ah, uh, like and our Ro friend Rob Eistad. Yes, like okay. Eistad. So you're a beefaroo boy just a like A beefaroo boy. <laughs> Rockford uh, is was a screw and and fastener capital of the world at okay. one time. Yeah. The voice of the Little Mermaid is from Rockford. Okay. Uh, tube socks were invented in Rockford. Don't and, forget Cheap Trick. And Cheap Trick. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's a mecca for creative <laughs> for, activity. <laughs> for the practical and the uh, right. well-heeled. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, and did you... Uh, so let's start. Let's start with music. Are your parents musical? Why? Why? How did you get into music? Yeah, parents are very musical. They're okay. not professional musicians, but both have beautiful singing voices. Oh, uh, my mom did a lot of uh, musical theater. Mm -hmm. So she was Sandy in Greece and Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Okay, for like a community theater program in uh, in, in Rockford. In, in Rockford. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, my dad sang in folk groups, playing guitar. Wow. Uh, and then was in um, like a gospel quartet when I was a kid. So actually when I was a kid, um, you know, my parents wouldn't get a babysitter, but they'd bring my sister and I to choir rehearsals. Yeah. And then, you know, my dad had his quartet rehearsal, so I'd kind of just be sitting under the piano yeah, or yeah. just around listening. So I think a lot of that seeped into my brain as like this is normal but that know? wasn't their it wasn't their vocations uh, no right they, no this they, is they, just their avocations yeah what what did yeah. they do professionally so my mom was a teacher and a teacher's aide and uh -huh. then she's worked for several nonprofit organizations and now she works for the city of rockford department of human services so oh, nice so both of them are very much people-centered and and kind of socially conscious Right, uh, right, which was also an important part of of my childhood growing up. Right, you know, right. Someone in need, you you bake them a, a casserole and you bring it over. That That's kind a of very thing. Midwest thing in yeah. general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it is. I think that um, it's, my parents are especially giving and mm -hmm. open and. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a really beautiful way to grow up. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Very uh, lucky. So, you obviously being around music was. It kind of primed you to think of it as something normal that you could do yeah. uh, for a living. When did you start taking piano lessons, or when when did you start studying music? So formally? I, uh, I was in a little like youth church choir. Mm -hmm. Just I think it was part of Sunday school or something when I was little. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was in like a community youth choir for a year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in school stuff I sang, but but a lot of it was just singing around the house. Uh -huh. with my parents and you know i would kind of start harmonizing and then when i was a kid we had a piano and i would go up to the piano and plunk out little melodies that i'd heard just try and figure them out sure and then that developed into figuring out uh, you know chords to go along with it and then a little more elaborate accompaniment yeah uh, and then I improvising creating my own music and, and stuff like that oh you know what i have to take i have to go get the doorbell <laughs> somebody's <laughs> at the door Shit, Ooh. I'll be right back. Hold on. It's okay. On. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're back. So uh, Sundays are window salesmen and <laughs> house siding salesmen. And for some reason, I was compelled to stop our interview to go 
answer the door, which was totally fruitless. You know, so. we, we could have brought him up and made him part of the conversation. That's true. Yeah, I do bounce well off of people. <laughs> he didn't seem like the type that would understand what we were oh, talking about. Oh, window you can see right through him. No. Oh, you see, you're not even a dad. I can't believe it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, how, so did your parents, um, they obviously noticed this musical aptitude. How, how old were you, like five, six, when you started fiddling around with the piano? Yeah, maybe younger. I don't know, four or five, six, something like that. And so did they... I would imagine they promoted that in you as far as education goes. How did that pan out? Did you end up going to a special school? I remember I took lessons for kind of a short time when I was pretty young, and I hated it. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely hated it. Piano lessons? I think that I just didn't mesh well with the teacher. Okay. Uh, You know, I wanted to do my own thing, improvise, and I think he was a little too forceful on that. So Mm -hmm. uh, that didn't last. And then in third grade, my third grade teacher was an incredible teacher and she used music in the classroom we sang songs about everything uh-huh. everything from from picking up garbage to in various inventors and sure um so it was a great way of learning so she was a, a pianist uh-huh so i took lessons from her for a year when i was in third grade uh and she was much better because she you know could improvise and yeah. was able to kind of coach me on some of that she but knew I still, there was more than one way to skin a cat yeah yeah, yeah but i still mm-hmm. hated to practice oh really you know what i was supposed to practice i would like kind of start and then just go off and do my own thing for most of the time I was supposed to practice. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> I remember one time, and I would listen to what she played the week before and like learn that and then you know play that next time. But sure. I came into a lesson, and I took the book and I put it up on the piano, and I played the piece, you know, looking down at my fingers the whole time. And, yeah. And she says, you know, that was very good, Jake, but you're on the wrong page. <laughs> <laughs> so you're totally cheating. So that yeah, that was kind of telling for uh, for that journey. But yeah, I just. I never liked to do what I was supposed to do. Like music for me was more about just exploring. Yeah. Was there something about the the formal aspect of music notation and learning all of the rules that kind of in a bad way demystified music for you at the time? Because I, 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 had, mm. I had this experience when I started getting into music, but I was much, much older. I was 20 years older than you were at the time. So I I had fully formed ideas about what Mm -hmm. I thought about things. And as soon as I was exposed to music notation and music theory, I just thought, wow, this is kind of how the sausage is made. I don't know if I want to... That's how I reacted to it. You know, that's obviously why I'm a singer and not a pianist, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, And I, I still, even today, I think that music to me is still so much more about when it exists mm-hmm. than when it's created or when it's written down right. or the right. certain technique or the certain mathematical equation that's used to create this, you know, melodic right. material or whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was terrible at reading music because mm-hmm. um, I just want to do my, you know, I played mm-hmm. by ear, mm-hmm. wrote a lot of terrible pop songs in high school. Okay. Um, How'd you do that? Did you have like a little sequencer, or a little oh man, yes. like four track thing? So, <laughs> you know, in high school, and I worked various odd jobs, and instead of saving up for a car, you know, yeah. I saved up for, well, first I bought like my my full-sized weighted key Yamaha, you know. Like DX7 type thing? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so I had that, and then I saved up and bought a Fostex multi, 16-track digital recorder with a built-in CD burner. Okay. And that was And like, you were set. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did. I was just spending so much time in my basement. Uh, my parents let me convert part of our, like, workroom into a little studio. So we, had, like, hung curtains. And <laughs> How old were you when, when you were doing this? This is high school. school. Yeah. Do you still, do you, I mean, do you have any of those songs? Yeah. 
do you have you ever put them up on youtube or <laughs> you know actually i put up on soundcloud i put uh for like a throwback thursday yeah, yeah. i put uh yeah there's one song called old kmart which is about actually rob probably knows about this kmart on main street in rockford yeah and that they tore down yeah and so the the chorus is um you tore me down like the old Kmart. You're the ice that sunk this vessel. You surely didn't do your part. You don't deserve this blue light special. So leave me there alone on the shelf. So that was the, that is funny. So that was the refrain. It's, you know, it's. I think you might be right. I think Rob has a story about some lady trying to steal a canned ham. <laughs> he has from so that, many from great that, Rockford yeah, stories. Yeah, from that Kmart. The next time I have a bot, I'm going to press it. Oh, you should. Um, so... Let's go. Let's go into get, getting into high school. Well, I guess my question is, when did you come to the conclusion that music is something you wanted to do for a living? Did, was did, were you studying anything else besides music? Did you have like a fallback thing or? So no, I and I never really made a decision until like senior year, last minute. That uh -huh. oh, I guess I'll do music. Uh huh. It was always just a part of my life. Uh -huh. I never really thought of it as I'm. Like, oh, I'm today I'm going to start this. to do music. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I had a, a high school band director, mm -hmm. uh, Rick Duranga, who was wonderful mm -hmm. and inspiring. And, and, you know, I still didn't read music very well in high school, mm -hmm. but he was working on his master's at the time, and he took an arranging class. And mm -hmm. so he brought in this, this tune that he arranged by The Who mm -hmm. that we played in band, and I thought, that was so cool. Like, anybody can arrange. I want to try that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't have the software to, like, to do the notation. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was poor at reading music. So I, I went in, and he kind of showed me around on Sibelius, mm -hmm. this notation software. Mm -hmm. And so I would come in before school every morning, and, and I transcribed the theme from Remember the Titans, because I wanted to do that for the band, okay. like the school band. Yeah. So I did that. And at the same time, I thought, well, maybe I can write something. And, you know, given this is all... Um, Sorry, let me let me interrupt you here. We've, it's a hot day today. I've got the <laughs> windows open and traffic is going by. So sorry, everybody. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So uh, I, yeah, I, I was just using the playback yeah. on on Spielberg because you know I I didn't know that much about rhythms and notes and sure. harmony and all that. So sure. I'm basing it on my ear. Uh -huh. But it was a great way to learn um, because I was just learning by discovery and like, oh, so this is how you figure out this rhythm. Yeah. So I think that really helped me in, in audiation and, and um, just being able to figure out a rhythm from, from listening to it. And what were you composing at that time? Had you started composing classical music at uh, that point? No, that was no. like my first foray into, into notation. it. Yeah, into uh -huh. notation. I see. Okay. Yeah. And when you were – yeah, so tell me about the decision, the, the decision to start composing classical music. Why didn't you become a pop songwriter, you know, where all the money is? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. All the money is in classical music. Everybody Especially knows that. Classical choral music. Everybody yes. knows that. Yes. Uh, I, I, think, I think what was most exciting for me was when I had the premiere of this piece. So my high school was Guilford High School in, in Rockford, and okay. our mascot was the Vikings. So my piece, of course, was called A Viking Symphony, okay. which was not a symphony you know, in, in that classical form. But anyway, that was the title. Yeah. And and it was the moment that that piece was premiered that you heard it when I heard it, yeah. and it was the first time that other people had performed music that I'd written. Yeah. You know, I'd always done it myself before that. Sure. So I think, I think that was a, a major force in in spurring me to to decide to to you know notate 
these kinds of things for ensembles. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and I think part of it is I love community. I love, you know, kind of the way my parents raised me with with helping others and and you know, we're all in this together. Sure. What can we do to support each other? So so that element of community in the band, in the choir, in the orchestra, it's you you were hooked. It's something that I yeah, I really loved and I didn't really know that at the time. But looking back on it, I think that was a that was a major Aha! Uh-huh. That did, was it. That catalyst that really got you got a fire under you to, to yeah. start composing more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after that, I just went off and didn't stop and did more and more. Yeah. And then from high school, did you? Uh, uh, where did you go after high school? So high school, um, yeah, I decided I was going to be a high school band director, just like Mr. Durango. Okay. But like Mr. Holland's Opus style, you yeah, know, where right. I'd write music and my students would perform it someday. You know, at the you know, right. they'd put together this band the, and the, surprise the me. Show. And, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the uh-huh. Right. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I, I went to Eastern Illinois University my freshman year. Okay. Uh, wasn't the best fit, so I actually transferred uh, to Winona State, which is in Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, and studied uh, instrumental music education. Okay. Uh, not so- composition. No, not composition. Okay. Uh, my sophomore year, I got conned into joining the choir because mm-hmm. I was a guy and I could read music, mm-hmm. uh, and I fell in love. I loved th- just singing with others in in that way you know my only singing experience had been you know with my family which i loved sure um singing my own music and then when i was a kid you know kind of youth choir stuff but but this was like whoa yeah you know like interesting chords and and dissonance and were there some particular pieces that that really uh oh, stuck with you way back then i mean you know, you know I, it's a tough question yeah i, I can't even remember i think i think that we did um the lords and omanu mysterium sure. which was great yeah uh yeah, that was that was that was cool. it. That was it for me in college. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Omani Mister, yeah. and uh, and we did a, a Parrot Magnificat, mm. which killed me too. Mm. Uh, yeah, mm. I, I had the same experience, just much later in life. Yeah, yeah. For me, I don't even know if it was like a certain piece, but just just the physicality yeah, of and the camaraderie, singing yeah. and the camaraderie. Same with and me. And singers are very different people than instrumentalists. Yes, which generally. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is you know, it kind of sounds like I'm generalizing, but. Uh, there is a different, and not that one is better than the other, but right. there just seem to be but like singers a, a are different. Better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, your words, not mine. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> right. uh, uh, okay, so when, and I would imagine you were composing this whole time as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so when I got into singing, I started exploring writing for choir and okay. kind of, and, and at that time also kind of moving away from, you know, I started writing really relying on the notation software mm-hmm. and then as i got better with with you know notation mm-hmm. and and hearing things in my head mm-hmm. then you know i kind of moved back to to paper so that's what i use now oh you do yeah so it's kind of this weird reverse and do you thing. compose uh i mean what instrument do you use to the piano how do you do uh yeah out? sometimes uh-huh. for for harmony um uh-huh. Like if I'm writing vocal music, it's all improvised, at, you know, just singing um, with the words. I so see. I kind of let the, the words dictate what the music will be. I see. Okay. Yeah. And when did you start? I mean, you're obviously not a band director. So when did you <laughs> decide to really devote your time to composition? Uh, so, okay. In in college, mm-hmm. um, a composer named Libby Larson oh, was sure. commissioned to write a piece for the orchestra, my mm-hmm. undergrad. Mm-hmm. So she came down for residency for the premiere. Uh, and the orchestra conductor knew I was a composer. The band was doing one of my pieces, so he, you know, asked, "Hey, would you like to meet with Libby?" Mm-hmm. And I said, oh. "Yeah, right." <laughs> yeah. And so she came to the wind ensemble rehearsal, 
and heard the piece and then met with me afterwards and just asked me a bunch of questions that you know I I never really truly studied with someone before so um she was asking me how how I write do I hear colors do I you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and at the end of our time she said Jake I'd like for you to study with me which was such an incredible moment yeah and honor yeah and so I had gosh three or four lessons with her I'd drive up to her house in Minneapolis Uh and so she just got me to think okay Jake you know we're gonna look at your music and then she's like you know have you thought about grad school um you thought about you know doing it here are some schools here are some teachers yeah um, had you developed your your own voice by that time, or were you still plunking around and experimenting with influences and things like that? That's kind of a hard. I'm sure I was. Yeah, I'm sure I was. I don't. You know, I. I mean, I wonder if part yeah. of her fascination with you was the opportunity to help you discover that, or or had you already done that? I don't know yeah. the answer to that. You know, I'm and really I've asking. asked her like before, just kind of curiously, like, what what did you see? How did you? you know why did you encourage me of all Mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. she said she just saw something and so you know maybe there were inklings of 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 a distinct voice or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think uh, composer speaking it's it's maybe sometimes hard for us to know what our voice is Mm -hmm. you know if i was trying to describe my music to someone i don't know if i have enough words to do that right well i would imagine Um, you know i i my impression is that uh the composer's voice comes from who they are, and sometimes who mm. you are stays the same for a while. Sometimes who you are goes through a big transformation, or there's a yeah. paradigm shift, and the music follows. I I would imagine that's yeah. the case. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you Absolutely. who do you like to listen to? Do you listen to other composers in, in in the choral repertoire? Who do you gravitate towards? Yeah, choral repertoire. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Dominic Argento. Uh huh. Um, love love his music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britain. Sure. Um, Tarek O'Regan is uh-huh. a living composer. Mm-hmm. What do you mind? Um, Benjamin or, um, Samuel Barber. Sure. I love. Those sure. are probably in my, you know, top. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Top four or five list. And I don't know your entire catalog. What percentage of your composition is choral, and what percentage is instrumental? Um, a fair amount is choral. They've kind of adopted me into the choral world, which I I'm very happy about. I I adore that world. Uh-huh. So. Um, a lot of my commissions are there, but I've written three operas. Uh, I do some orchestral stuff, mm-hmm. uh, so kind of a mix. Mm-hmm. Okay. But and from f- from Minnesota, did you go on to grad school after that? Yeah. So you I did. went to the Peabody Conservatory. Oh, sure. At John's Hopkins. Yeah. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. great. And yeah. how was your experience there? Uh, it was great. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was really cool. You know, I I was interested in music education and. And I think it was a great way to dive into um, learning, especially like about instruments, you know, with, with mm-hmm. methods classes. So mm-hmm. I was learning how all these instruments work, which was great for a composer. Mm-hmm. You actually get to try them out and play them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think what was really exciting about grad school was like, I, I adore composing. So like, this is my, this is my jam. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that I'm studying here is like related to specifically to composition. Sure. Um, so like counterpoint classes and yeah. uh, you know orchestration, the really the practical, yeah, n- nuts and, then, and bolts, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and then weekly lessons in composition, uh-huh. a show I'd never had before. Uh, so that was really exciting. That's interesting. Yeah. What do you? How do you find yourself when you? Because I, I we I I know some composers, uh, and I know that <laughs> I'm when, sorry. when those okay. when those when they compose, sometimes they become very isolated and yeah. you can't uh, one track and you can't think of anything else. How do you how do you deal with 
composing. First of all, how do you deal with the composing and, and also managing your daily life? And uh, how do you uh, how do you work? Do you need to set a deadline for yourself? Do you make promises that you have to keep or what? You know, those are because it takes a lot of discipline. To, yeah. To do what you yeah, do. Yeah, it does. How do you manage those things? So, yeah, deadlines are a big one. Yeah. You know, I, my contracts all have deadlines, specific yeah. deadlines. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at, at meeting those. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, I've only maybe had to ask for a week extension uh -huh. here and there. But uh -huh. uh, I'm, I'm quite good at, at, at meeting those. And do you set them with the idea that this is what's going to get me to write something? Or do you just naturally sit down and like to write? Uh, yeah, no, I need the deadline just yeah. to compartmentalize and so I know when to work on each piece. Sure. And you when know. you're working, can, can you get yourself to the grocery store and, and, and do all the things that we need to do or are you lost? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when I'm in like deadline mode, so yeah. if I'm close, you know, and, and, and I'm just totally immersed, then yeah, I'm like living practically living in my studio. So I, I bring like a blanket and a pillow in there and I'll like nap for a couple hours and then get up and write and then make some coffee and then write yeah. some more and nap. And <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I just yeah. kind of live in that world. Yeah. Um, and what's your, where's your home base right now? In Minneapolis. In Minneapolis, mm -hmm. but you're traveling a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any personal relationships, any romantic relationships? I don't. Is it uh, because of your schedule or? Yeah, I'm sure that's part out? of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, the reason it's I ask is I, I struggled with it. You know, yeah. I struggled with it. I, I had to make some decisions about my career to accommodate mm. the life that I wanted here. You know, right. I, I have a house, I've got a family, and and I I, I love that. But I yeah. don't think I could have done what you're doing. I was basically doing that as a singer for a few years. Right. Does that worry you, or are you just letting things come as they? You know, it doesn't worry me uh -huh. right now. Um, I think that when when the right time comes along and the right opportunity for that, that I think that you know, I would be able to adjust my career or whatever it might be to make sure that that is the priority that it needs to be. Sure. Um, but sure. yeah, like right now, it's it's really good, and I I just love being able to travel around and work with these people that continue to inspire me and, and right. you know allow me to do what I do right right now uh, as I mentioned before uh, when we were talking downstairs the well, I guess I mentioned it already on the podcast um, you seem to be very good at promoting yourself and promoting your work hmm. is that um, I, I mean you're substantially younger than I am and like for instance last night I was I was on Twitter and I was trying to figure <laughs> out how to how to promote this <laughs> fucking podcast that I'm doing <laughs> on Twitter. I don't understand the hashtags. I don't understand the at thing. I don't understand any of that. Maybe it's just a function of your age, but it seems like you've got it figured out, like how to promote yourself. How important is that to you on a daily basis? Is it something you devote some time to every day? Yeah. Uh -huh. And it, you know, and it's hard because social media can be so consuming. Right. And so there, are, there are lots of negative elements to it, but mm -hmm. there are lots of positives, you know, it's, it's, it can be consuming but it also connects me with so many people and, and I'm able to, to hear stories about what music has meant to people. And, and I get messages from people telling me about, you know, an instance that a piece was used at, at a, you know, a friend who had passed away and, mm -hmm. and they'd sung a piece and, and what that meant. And mm -hmm. just being able to interact with that person and share in that story is really meaningful. So it's, incredible for those kinds of things sure, sure. Um, and it, you know it's also can be difficult with you know i'm i own my own publishing company okay and so when i have a new piece of music that i'd really love for people to get to know mm -hmm. one arm is to go on facebook and say hey i've got this new piece right you know i'd love for you to check it out 
Um, and and that it's a fine balance because yeah, I don't want right. to be that guy that's right. you know, hey, do my me like shoving it in your face and yeah. And so I feel the same way. I get it's really hard. shy. Like I I, tr- I juggle um, being shy with the necessity of like growing my business, the business yeah. part of it, right? Like the content part of it, sitting down and talking to people for me seems to be okay like i haven't you know i just talked to james conlon last week and my only thing was like don't fuck this up and you know and it actually recorded and yeah. we actually said words yeah, and things right. happened yeah and it's all good it's just getting it promoted and then i feel like oh i feel a little like that's uh, right i don't want to be that guy either yeah so so i think that my my way to to approach that um and what i find is it's just in life is is to foster meaningful relationships and mm-hmm. i kind of come back to that in many ways mm-hmm. um but you know if i'm just kind of putting my music out there and just saying hey do this do this who wants who wants to interact yeah, with, that guy? with that guy yeah. yeah like yeah. that's that's lame but i believe that we're just in the arts you know we're sharing we're we're all in this together we're working together so my my duty my job as a composer is to create art mm-hmm. that I hope will be able to be a vehicle for positivity or for beauty or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that whatever I create is going to help conductors to make a statement, to help their ensemble to connect, to right. make a connection uh, with the audience and you know all of these things. So, so I, I think that's how I approach it is... As that's my role. Yeah. And so in order for that role to be fulfilled, people need to know what it is that I'm trying to create or wanting to put into the world. Right. Yeah. So so not just like finding somebody's email randomly and say, hey, uh, I think you should do this piece. Okay, thanks. Bye. You know, right. but but it's like, no, I want to I want to build a relationship with that person um, and we can share in this music making and and it's more meaningful for everybody involved. Right. Do you have any? Uh, do you conduct your own music at all? I do. You do. Mm-hmm. And where did you become? Have you already always been comfortable with a baton and conducting? yeah? So that actually started in undergrad. Okay. Um, when I fell in love with singing, mm-hmm. uh, I actually started a choir with my peers uh, that met on Wednesday nights, uh, and I, I became friends with the janitor at the Performing Arts Center. Yeah. So he would give me the key to let me in the choir room wow, and like to rehearse. hook That's me up awesome. on, on Wednesdays so wow. that, you know, we would just get together and, and sing. And so actually two of my earliest pieces, uh, I Will Lift Mine Eyes and Yan Yan, I wrote for that group. Uh-huh. It was just my friends. You know, never thought these pieces would see the, not see the light of day, but like, you know, just maybe it'd be performed by then and I don't know, maybe right. elsewhere. Right. But they've, you know, they've been performed around the world. So do you, so. yeah, do you book yourself as a conductor, composer, is that part of your business as well? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so yeah. When I'm doing residencies, I do clinics and okay. I'll, um, you know, conduct in rehearsals or I'll conduct in a concert of, of my music and work with groups that way. Mm-hmm. Do you have nerves about that? Do you get? Uh, I have two questions. Yeah. Do you get nervous conducting <laughs> your own music, and do you get nervous watching other conductors? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you ever think? Do you ever sit there and think, God damn it, he's doing it all wrong? Yeah, you know what? Well, That's an interesting question, and there are some composers who who believe that there's only one way that their music can be done. Yeah, and you know, I'm not saying that's good or bad. Yeah. That's just a reality. Mm-hmm. I'm of the camp where. I want a conductor to create an informed interpretation of my work Mm -hmm. because if it's not personalized, then it's not going to have meaning to Uh that group. Uh So 
So if I see a conductor who takes some liberties, but those liberties are meaning, like mm-hmm. have they're mm-hmm. informed, there's a right. reason, mm-hmm. and then they have meaning, and it means something to the ensemble because they talked about it, and they talked about why they would extend this phrase here, or why they would you know, add a rest or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. I'm totally for that. Okay. But if, if a conductor is just kind of going through the piece with no intention, that's when I struggle, and I, I'll push back a little bit. Sure, okay. Uh, and, and encourage them to, to, and I'll just like talk with the group and I'll say, you know, for this moment here, what, what's the poet saying or what's the text saying? And then why do you think I chose this music here? Mm-hmm. So how can we illuminate that mm-hmm. through our choice of phrasing or of sitting on a dissonance before resolving or whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I love engaging in that manner. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any other aspirations besides uh, choral and symphonic music? Do you have any hope to get into film or television or any of that kind of work? Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. Uh-huh. I don't know that I have an aspiration like I'm dying to be a okay. film composer or TV composer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I really love that community element that we get mm-hmm. as ensembles, mm-hmm. you know, in the concert music where we're, we're sharing live, you know, we're, we're sharing the music, we're interacting with the listeners, with the performers and right. kind of, it's this whole experiential That's the magic of thing. live music. It really I think is. It's, it's the fact that you... Uh, it really is a function of memory that gives you an impression of what's happening because it just uh, evaporates the second it happens. I mean, what do you feel? Because you do, you do both. You do like film and TV and concert yeah, music. Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. I, you know, when I was in music school, the, there, there are certain ideals, I think, that are promoted. Like you sing Mozart in a very particular style. Mm-hmm. You, you sing Rachmaninoff in a very particular style, and then you know. And my biggest claim to fame is, is being uh, singing Penguin in Happy Feet too. So, there is some. I am not <laughs> worthy. I am know, not worthy. There, there is some uh, uh, wrestling with that mm. artistically. Um, that being said, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I'm 46 years old. I've got kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, if 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 being a singing penguin is what's going to pay my mortgage for six months then yeah. okay yeah. yeah i can i can justify that yeah um and i i'm i'm maybe it's just being in, in la I, I'm, a, I'm a working musician mm-hmm. trying to make a living i of course jump at artistic uh opportunities but i will sacrifice those to pay my bills right also yeah um uh, and maybe that's part of this podcast too. I'm, I'm. So you consider that a sacrifice artistically? Really? I think. Well, I mean, even though the music that I performed and uh, the music that I generally perform in film is of a very high caliber. Mm-hmm. I mean, the I, I'm very lucky to uh, not work on many student projects. You know, I, I yeah. work with John Powell all the time. I work uh, with all sorts of, you know, Hans Zimmer and big, mm-hmm. big composers that I really respect. Um, so in that way, it's not much of a sacrifice, but it's not what I studied. I studied to be an operatic tenor, right. in a very particular genre, yeah. in a very particular way. So is that like a is that like a personal of tension course. of yours, like that's sure more internal than anything else? I struggle with it much less than I'm kind of talking about now, yeah. honestly. Um, and this podcast is just another outlet for me in a way that I have total control over. That's another thing. That's the big difference between composers and everybody else. Is that, uh, we, I don't get to create anything mm. as, a, as a singer. Mm. I sing Verdi. I mean, I sing things that are 250 years old, and yeah. 300, 
500 years old, whatever. Right. Um, where I, I do envy that element of your life and my friends' lives that you get to really create things. Mm. And so with this podcast, I have, I have a, like a modicum of that, I think, mm. which, is, which I like, some control. So that's, that's interesting because um, I, I, I think the parallel to that would be composers who maybe are linked to a publishing company that might need a certain kind of music mm -hmm. or, or to maybe a certain kind of film where they're expecting something a little bit more, custom, not even custom, but like, uh, you know, molded right, right, <laughs> from right. instead of like something that's right. This interdependence totally between the two yeah. things. Yeah. And yeah, does that's that, does interesting. That, does that appeal to you, or is that because I, I, I've, you know, a friend of mine has, has done, gotten into some film stuff, and I think yeah. the problem is, is that you do lose, you lose a, a lot of autonomy that yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I mean, they pay you for it. Right. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And that's where that's where my discussion comes into play. Yeah. Is that you? I, if I get paid for it, I will. Sure. I will yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know. I know that in the music community, there's like the whole, oh, you're selling out or whatever it is. Uh -huh. And, you know, we don't know anybody's life situation well enough sure. to make a judgment call. Sure. Um, I was having a conversation uh, with, with someone else about, about this. And we, I think so often we, for, we forget that composers have lives. Right. And like, you know, maybe it was, oh, it was a conversation about um, Randall Thompson. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, oh, I hate Randall Thompson. Mm -hmm. I said, well, okay, you probably don't hate Randall Thompson, mm -hmm. but maybe there's a, a piece of music that you maybe doesn't connect with you, or that you you know you say you hate or don't like, and mm -hmm. and so you know remembering that you know maybe that piece Randall Thompson wrote in memory of a loved one who had passed away, right? And so there was a specific intention with this piece, and by you saying you hate it, you know that's that's hurtful. Mm -hmm. So, so rethinking and, you know, okay, so maybe, maybe it just doesn't connect with you and these are the reasons mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's kind of like the whole sellout thing, you know, oh, that person's a sellout, so that music is blah, you know, or, or that performer is a sellout or whatever it is. And I, so, yeah, like, I think that's kind of a, uh, not, it's not a very adult way of thinking of things, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. And it's awfully dismissive. Yeah. Tell me about the difference between writing an opera and writing a, a piece of choral music. Uh, and did you conduct the opera that you the operas? No, that I written? didn't. Uh -uh. I, that's no. to me. That's where the rubber meets the road for yeah. a conductor. Yeah. Uh. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know that I would. Um, it's yeah. It's kind of a different beast. Yeah. Totally different because it's it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. It's yeah. like yes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You ha I think you have to have a lot of training to. And to why why have you conducting. written operas? Are you a fan of opera in particular, or did you have some? I'm sorry, I don't know the operas that you've written. Yeah, so let's talk okay. about those. Okay, so tell me about what the what what. So the the first one was when I was in grad school. Mm -hmm. They have this this program where composers partner with the opera department mm -hmm. and they come up with these sh short one act operas. Mm -hmm. um, so so that was kind of how I got into it. But when I was a kid, I was in a few plays and okay. and I was a, a a kid in Hansel and Gretel the opera when I was in you know the third Humperdinck. second yeah. grade. Nice. And I pushed the witch into the oven <laughs> and i got to like part of the set i got to keep the oven door so like i installed it in our basement would like use it when we were acting out things in the right basement. <laughs> right like, yeah i felt so cool yeah i used to do that too i kept all sorts of yeah things in like my little leader yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's that's um, right so so i think i've always interested in in drama mm -hmm. and the stage 
Um, what was the one act about that you wrote at, at Peabody? So the, the first one uh, was about two people in a relationship who build each other up to be something they're not. Okay. Uh, and it's set in a fairytale context. So there's a prince and a princess. The prince is a valiant dragon slayer. The princess loves him for that, mm-hmm. but he hates slaying dragons. Mm-hmm. His dad ends up getting killed by a dragon, and she realizes, oh, this is actually kind of dangerous. Right. And he's like, see, you know, so... Yeah. Kind of so she basically loves him for something he hates. Yeah. And where yeah. did that come from? Did you write the book? Uh, no. my uh, I was working with a librettist okay. uh, in school there. And so we came up with the story. And it was kind of loosely based on a relationship that I had where I did that. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It's your classic composer falls in love with a soprano. You know. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know anything about that. I mean, my wife's a mezzo, so how dare you? Oh, it's totally different. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> so what else have you got coming up? What's, what are you working on? Why are you out here in California? Okay, so I'm in, I'm in L.A. Uh, doing two residencies, one at Cal State Long Beach. Mm-hmm. They're working on a, a extended piece of mine called The Hope of Loving, which is a choir, soloist, and string quartet. Nice, okay. Uh, on texts by um, various mystic poets, uh, throughout history, that uh, um, why does that appeal to you, the mystic poetry? So, so I think it's it's very immediate. Mm-hmm. The language is perfect to be set to music because mm-hmm. it's it's simple. It, it has colorful language that isn't uh, complex, mm-hmm. um, and so when you hear it, it makes sense immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like these little self-contained morsels that are perfect okay. for musical settings. Nice. Um, and the whole piece is is about love in different ways. Um, yeah, right? Oh, okay. love. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's lame. No. <laughs> no but I think no. that it's... Um, I'm just th- thinking about this single handsome guy that travels around the country <laughs> uh, by himself, probably lives by Wait, himself. This isn't a dating show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's it kind of the importance of love in all okay. cases of life from sure. something as simple as uh, when you walk down the street, why don't you smile at the person that you pass to to two people in a relationship showing love to each other or you know one of the opening lines is i know about love the way the fields know about light the Mm, way the forest shelters us Mm -hmm. um we do well to 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 live with more of those sentiments absolutely i'll tell you absolutely in in all ways and challenging ourselves to do that yes you know and and this is kind of a direct response of everything going on in the world well, we, have, we, we definitely have this in common. I mean, I came up with this app idea that uh, if you had it on and I had it on, it would ding, and then you smile at each other. But, of course, there was this hugging app that came out, and it was, like, full of perverts. So, uh. Uh, But, you know, <laughs> we have the same – it's the same idea. Yeah. I'm the same yeah, way. I, I smile at everybody. Right. And, yeah, it, I have a hard time with it. There's something about in Minnesota. Like, Minnesotans are, are nice people. Uh-huh. Um, but often when I'm walking down the sidewalk, like, people look away. It's like they – they just huh. don't want to engage in that moment for whatever. So, like, I've made an effort to just kind of like, hello, like yeah. tilt yeah, my yeah, head yeah. to the side and say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and why, sometimes, that, why, why is that? Is that the weather? Uh, is it the culture? Or is it I think it's culture. Europeans? I think part of it is like that. There's kind of a passive aggressive uh, culture in Minnesota. It's like the Minnesota night. So I think it comes from in the winter mm-hmm. when you're in the same house as someone for days months. and months <laughs> yeah uh you like either don't talk or you just kind of act like everything's okay so that you don't have to worry about fighting in that close space huh. you know and then or you'd have to be out in the cold where it's like 30 below sure so i think that's where it comes from Interesting. you know kind of that scandinavian right uh experience 
So it's maybe an extension of that. And how do you find it now? Do you, uh, do, I assume you live by yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you get lonely in those situations? Are you not uh, home enough for that to be a problem? Uh, it kind of depends. I mean, I I'm I consider myself an extroverted introvert. Okay. So I I need my time to to be home to write, because part of my process is like the letting things simmer in sure. my brain. So I need a lot of time to just let it process. Let the subconscious quiet do the work. time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So so that's important for me. But then I also love getting out and traveling and working with people and do you sharing. Have a big friend group at home. Uh, I have like a, a smaller group of very close friends uh -huh. are, are they I'm, all musicians um not all oh okay no most probably no actually no mm -hmm. no they're not okay. one of my one of my closest friends is a poet uh, another one is a radio producer um who's a musician as well yeah I'm yeah a professional yeah. musician but do you have any um, desire to move out to california i you know i've i've it's funny when you know what in when it's january yeah, and i come out course. here to visit i always think oh, why don't i live in LA? <laughs> <laughs> you know as i return to 15 below uh, in Minnesota. yeah yeah uh i don't know maybe i mean i'm i'm open to wherever the world might take me uh -huh. but whenever i return to minneapolis i think oh god i love this place do you have a so, choir that you work with there regularly not regularly you um, thought about forming your own choir uh i've thought about it not not yet mm -hmm. uh there are a lot of great choirs in minnesota so it would kind of be redundant to mm -hmm. to add another one to the group but but i i work with several groups in minnesota that i really love i mean it's it's uh -huh. a great arts community beautiful choral community sure. a lot going on sure um actually i'm this fall i'm collaborating with a, a group called mandum quorum okay and the conductor and i have actually co-created a concert experience so we've programmed it together. I'm writing little interludes and transitions, and we're um, getting the singers to write short little readings that will be a part of the program. We have poetry, hmm. and it's just a all the way straight through, no break uh, experience. And where is this being performed? So this is in uh, Minneapolis, okay. October 29th and 30th. And is it something you'll take on the road, or is it just a one-off for now? Uh, for them, it's just it's just going to be local. But uh -huh. I, I mean, I've thought about maybe this is something that could could travel right you know this this kind of a thing and it's again going back to kind of that that idea of of love and how we experience love throughout our lives so it traces um you know from childhood through to like experiencing your first love and mm -hmm. then the death of a loved one mm -hmm. um and and also gosh when we were creating it, it was the day after the the shooting at pulse Jeez. and so it's it's kind of also this requiem concert so in memory of those we've lost mm -hmm. to violence mm -hmm. it's um, beautiful yeah and so uh, you know th i think for those people who re resort to violence there's some step along the way where love wasn't shown and so i think thinking about that and encouraging you know wherever you can show love to all people all the time sure because you never know when that might make a difference That's it's like right. when walking down the street maybe this person is having a terrible day they're having, you know, awful thoughts. But if someone smiles at them, what difference could that make? Uh, yeah, but I, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, I tell you, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. Mm. I really appreciate you reaching out, first of all. And God damn it, there's somebody at the door <laughs> again. I don't know. It's crazy. Sunday. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's Philistines. What is this? I don't know. They should <laughs> all be in church. Uh, anyway, thanks for coming all the way over. Absolutely. I appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you for having me. And best of luck to you. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Jake Runnestad.
really nice guy. I really enjoyed getting to know him. He's a, a very uh, fine uh, composer. I like his work. I really liked meeting him. Uh, I want to thank Gregory Geiger for helping me with my theme song. I'm still loving it, buddy. Why don't you go to laclassical.com and check him out. Tell him I said hi. I also want to thank Michael Nielsen over at Michael Nielsen Music for letting me use his amazing Shure SM7B microphone. It's an industry standard. I feel really fancy talking into it. I, I look at it and I think, wow. I, people, you know, people come over and they say, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. So thanks, Michael. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, I really enjoy the emails that I get. Thank you for the donations. Uh, if you like the show, why don't you send me a dollar? I'd really appreciate it. It really, really helps me out. Uh, there, there are lots of expenses in running the show. So I want to thank you in advance for doing that. And I want to thank the folks who already have. It's very generous. Um, I guess that's it. I hope you all have a great day. Really See you next stuff. week. You probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.